Oh, so grateful and thankful to place my hand in my heart, to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. Grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the infinite wisdom that's informing every part of our life. We're so grateful that love is intelligent, and this intelligent love is leading us and guiding us, and we are willing to follow. We are willing to be led and guided. We are grateful and thankful to dedicate our conversation to our awakening, our healing, our transformation. So grateful and thankful to let the past go. In gratitude, we let it be. In gratitude, we know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 One thing I'd like to share with you that has been so meaningful to me, uh, and I shared this in the Stop Playing Small as well, is I had the realization about our nature as light beings. So, so many things teach us that we're light beings, that we're light workers, that we are light, right? I am the light. Uh, and yet we still believe that we can have these, um, where's my brick wall? Yeah, you're right. We still have the belief Right? I'm bad. I'm wrong. Something's wrong with me. I'm not good. Well, think about this. If your light, right, like, see the sunlight coming in the window here? Mm -hmm. Just try with that sunlight to affix something to it. Try to permanently or even temporarily affix something to the light. You can shade the light, mm -hmm. right? We could close the curtain. We could uh, paint the window black, right? We could paint the window pink, and the, paint, the light would seem to be pink when it goes through the pink paint. But the light that's coming from the sun, just try, or a light that's coming from a light bulb, just try to affix something to the light that could temporarily or permanently damage it. You can't do it, right? You cannot affix anything to light. Nothing sticks to light. So you can filter light, but you can't damage the light. You could bend it, Right? and send it in a different direction. You can filter it and seemingly shift the shape of it uh, or where it's going, but you cannot damage it. Light is light. You could stop it from flowing, but you can't damage it. You can't do any temporary or permanent damage to it. That, to me, that realization has been so helpful to me. Because once I really got that, I really got that I'm a light being and all the belief in I'm bad, I'm wrong, I'm not good is like a shade or a filter 
that I'm putting in my mind that seems to dim or thwart my light, but the perfect light that I am cannot in any way be damaged temporarily or permanently. It really helps to think of ourselves as light beings. So we can hide our light under a bushel, right? <laughs> Not anymore. She's going to let it shine. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but we've done that, right? And we could hide, so we could hide our light. We could filter it through some thought or some belief. And what I, what I realized is that our beliefs and our thought patterns are like these pages in this book, okay? So if you imagine this, that I, I am the light, right? And I'm trying to express myself in this but, but, but through all of these false beliefs. I'm trying to project my into through all these false beliefs. And let's say that each page in this book represents a false belief, right? So I'm trying to project my powerful, beautiful, perfect, pristine light through all of these mental patterns. The more mental patterns I have, the less light is actually going to come through. But that doesn't mean the light isn't still there. And it doesn't mean I'm not trying. It just means that all of this is seemingly in the way. And so my opportunity in my lifetime is to say, I don't need this group of patterns and beliefs anymore. I'd rather just express the truth of my being rather than send it through all these filters, which are the false beliefs. So that's why the more we let go of the judgments, the opinions, the false beliefs, everything gets so much easier because we're not trying to push the light through the density of those beliefs anymore. I, my life is so much easier now. I still have challenges every day, but they don't make me feel bad about myself. I don't question my worth anymore at all. What I question is, 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 is there a way for me to be more effective? Is what I am attempting to do worth doing? So I'm questioning all the time, but not with judgment. Not with judgment. That's the difference now. So it's so much easier because if uh, most of the time, if it doesn't flow pretty well, then I, I, I just pause and say, might to go in a different direction? Is this? And I, I don't find myself pushing, pushing, pushing against density, but I used to. I used to feel like I was dragging my whole life uphill. So you were talking yesterday about the pattern of anxiety. You know, and and we get attached to how what our point of view is, what our perspective is. Pain is a wrong perspective. 
So when we're feeling emotional pain, mental pain, physical pain, we can ask spirit to help us change our perspective. We don't have to figure out how. We can just say, oh, spirit, I just realized I must have a wrong perspective. And I don't even like the word wrong. I, I really don't use it very much anymore, but that's a direct quote from Lesson 190 in the course. So my way of speaking would be more pain as a clear indicator that my perspective is not helpful to me. Unless what I'd like to do is illuminate my stinking thinking, in which case pain helps me to recognize I, I must have chosen wrongly. I must have decided wrong. Right. Of course, Miracles at the end of chapter 5 says, I must have decided wrongly because I'm not at peace. Yeah. And if I give all the consequences of my wrong decision to the Holy Spirit, they'll all be undone. I know I've done it. I yeah. know I've done it. I know. Just that, that it's freedom. Clear, it's just that it's all, in that sense, it's all good. There are no bad, wrong, you know, it, it can all be just changed in the blink of an eye. You just go, I just didn't have a choice. Make another choice. Like it's, they just love it. Well, we could actually say, I must have decided unhelpfully. Yes. Unhelpfully, yeah. yeah. Right. Unlovingly. It does sound a bit like a judgment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's why instead of right and wrong, I prefer loving and unloving. So one of the biggest things that clients will bring to you is blame and regret. And they're usually married to each other. <laughs> Sorry. Blame and regret. Yeah, they're usually married to each other. They really are. So if someone's really focused on blame, can you think of a time when you were you were so blaming someone for a particular thing? What? I remember. I just know it was a pattern. Um, I don't have a specific. Oh, yeah. For a long, long time. Make it concise. Okay, for a long time I blamed my husband for all my unhappiness. Okay. And then I would regret that I married him. Mm. Hello. <laughs> it right. goes together. Right. Mm -hmm. Why did I marry this guy? Right. He's made it, me unhappy. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing is first we judge ourselves. I, I, I shouldn't have married this guy. What was I thinking? Mm -hmm. Right? I'm mad at myself. And a lot of times people cannot take any responsibility so they're only in blame. No, no, I'm a victim here. Right? So depending on their, the ability to take responsibility, 
You're either in total blame out there or total blame in here. But if you're really willing to take responsibility, there's no blame at all. So that's one of the, the things that we're helping to move our clients <coughs> to is what we work on in my classes, which is 100% responsible Zero percent blame. Because that's where the, the, there's no judgment. When there's no blame, there's no judgment. When there's no regret, there's no judgment. When there's no resentment, there's no judgment. And that's what most people go to a counselor for. They're so bothered by something, they can't seem to work themselves out of it without help. And they realize, okay, enough, you know. Not that many people go to spiritual counselors because they'd like a deeper spiritual practice or because they are want tips for enlightenment. It's just not why people go for spiritual counseling. I mean, that may be in the background, but it's usually to resolve something. And for me, I, I now go for counseling to stay clear, to make sure I'm not having any lapses. And things still bother me, or I'm not sure what's the fastest path to handle it. Or I just want to talk about it, get it out, release it. I just needed the opportunity to talk about something, you know, just as if, you know, if that's easy to clean up, right? I wasn't ignorant of it. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew, I, I guess my subconscious or my higher self knew this would be the safe place to talk. Yeah, and some people yeah. like to talk it out and some people don't. With my staff, a lot of times we'll say, can you just write up all the details and let me know what you'd like? And I say no, but I can tell them to you because I don't want to write them up. I do better. I, I forget half of it if I am writing it up. But if I talk it out, I'll, I'll capture it all. But many people don't want to talk about things because they don't really want to feel it. They're avoiding feeling it. Because they're avoiding feeling responsibility because they only know responsibility comes with you idiot. I'm an idiot. But it doesn't. Responsibility saying, oh, okay, I must have decided wrongly because I'm not at peace. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that made that decision, and so I can be the one who changes my mind. Mm -hmm. So that, that's really great. But peop <coughs> when people are consistently judging, 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 
they don't really truly do not understand there's an option to take responsibility without them because it's not in their world and if you look at the way our world works something happens that is less good like trying to think of something that happened recently I'm just thinking of let's say oh well we could say Facebook and the election and all of that right mm -hmm. people want to blame somebody now Facebook they can take responsibility right oh. or but it and it doesn't have to necessarily be blame you know, if they had stepped right up in the beginning and said, we didn't, whatever. And now we know. And what now we're taking these steps. Hmm? Are they responsible for um, Trump's being president? Well, people think that, they, that their negligence had a big hand in it. Oh. Yeah. That their negligence what? Had a big hand in the election. Facebook's negligence facebook's not paying attention to what the russian oh, trolls were doing to create divisiveness and to oh yeah, yeah. see i'm busy blaming hillary because you know i mean i i i, I noticed i do that and i think because she stole it from bernie you know with her super delegates and all that stuff and i said she's completely culpable and she's culpable you know at least that's where i go with that sometimes like, oh that's interesting because had she not done that then it would have been Trump and Sanders. And I think, you know, Sanders probably would have won. You know, so it's like really interesting, you know, where we all kind of go with this, you know, Facebook and, you know, Russia or, but I know, oh, Michelle was blaming Hillary, you know, like, wow. So then I change it from she's culpable. Well, that's just blaming them with her nice words. <laughs> Good for you, yeah. That's the thing is, it's, <laughs> It, in our culture, if we can put the blame on somebody, somebody then we can move on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But someone has, has got to pay. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to be paying for it. Mm -hmm. Someone. Yeah. That's the insanity of the worst one. <laughs> it is the but insanity. It's the theory that the Russians <coughs> somehow controlled our phones and our social media and um, managed to brainwash Americans into voting for Trump. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no one could get that. I don't want to get way off, but if, if, if what you're doing is you're publishing things that aren't true about Trump and you're publishing things that aren't true about Hillary, and people believe one or both of those things. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at that guy that broke into that pizza parlor shooting because he thought that Hillary had children trapped in the basement or whatever it was. Was this recently? It was last year, wasn't oh. it? I don't, I don't or the end of 2016? Remember okay. that in Washington, D.C.? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> stuff happens that's pretty, yeah, 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 yeah. like, dude. I just don't think she has any children trapped in any basement. I, I know that. <laughs> Except maybe her grandchildren, and she's <laughs> giving them <laughs> a, a clown <laughs> show or something. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So 
if I can see myself in this and see that there's times where I'll go fifty percent Mhm. and I feel like that's just me so maybe it's that I'm hearing this right and I'll have to trust that this information is going to be right and Mhm. is it if that's then like feeling guilty? that that's like my own unders- I find it helpful to be specific so if you can think of something where in the past you've you've taken fifty percent responsibility so so I was saying to Ian that we we realized in our financial situation that I was like enabling my husband to operate a particular way and he was enabling me to operate a particular way both kind of unconsciously overspending and not really taking responsibility for the in and flow and the outflow and so I felt like I tried to communicate it with him but he wasn't really I wasn't able to do it in a way that he could see me and so I then said okay well I'm just going to have to take action I'm going to just say to him we need to just separate our accounts so that he can take responsibility for his and I'll take responsibility for mine and I did say to him things so this is the part where I was taking responsibility was like this is the dynamic but and because I was taking action I felt felt horrible because I felt I was probably judging myself but I was taking it out of his uh, he didn't have a choice in it in that sense and he found that really difficult Um, yeah so I think I then blamed him for at those times I blamed him for us being in that situation Mm-hmm. Or, or or actually I blamed him for ha- me having to make that choice but I didn't really want to make it that I had to make it right and that's where the unloving and loving yes so yeah, I was yeah. able to say to him I don't feel like this is your choice <laughs> and, and I think I meant it at times but then I would blame him so there was like mixed mm-hmm. there was like a mixed message mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. so that's understandable you all yeah. feel like oh yeah I can Absolutely. understand how that would happen so, uh, and it's certainly understandable how the personality would say, well, if he hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done these things. So it's his fault. <laughs> right. So what, w- uh, what I find really, really helpful is to look for, to look for the, I'm going to say suppositions. Is that how you spell that word? No, I don't know. I don't think there's an I in suppositions. That's what I'm wondering. Is is it an O? That's what I'm wondering. Supposition? Suppose, yeah. Suppose. Suppositions. So it's it's your these suppositions are the premise. Keep it simple. Okay. another way to say it, which I'm just delaying here, is what's the belief? Right? And you can also say thought. But I think that uh, premise and supposition are really helpful. Because this is how we do, we do deductive reasoning. Right. Because of this, therefore that. Right. right. Because the store was closed, I had to break the window to get in and get what I needed. <laughs> right? Absolutely. 
couldn't come back tomorrow. I no, need what I need now. So what in that scenario that you wouldn't have done what you did if he hadn't done what he did? What can you tell us more about your decision making? So if he had have listened, is this what you mean? Yes. Uh, okay, if he had have listened to my uh, concerns, then I wouldn't have been in a position where I had to, I felt like I had to take action on my own. Right. I felt on my own. Mm. So if we could have had a conversation about it, I wouldn't have had to make a decision that felt like I was then individually responsible for his unhappiness. <coughs> right. So did and he refused to have any conversation with you about it. Yeah, but like a number of times. But I think it's also I just I really didn't know how to say things, you know. Right. So I was saying them in a way that he didn't seem to get it. Right. But there is an assumption running. Yes, that's another word, assumption. Mm -hmm. Right, and we, we all know what they say about when you assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody not know? Well, when you assume, you make an ass out of you <laughs> and me. Right. So what, what I'm hearing you say <coughs> is that you wished to communicate with him about the money in a way that the two of you would be doing things differently and taking action together. He didn't understand what you were communicating. He didn't perceive what you were communicating. He didn't get it. So do you think that's because you were so subtle or he didn't want to hear it or some combination? You weren't clear. He didn't want to know. Yeah, I, probably a combination. Like, I don't know that I was, I was pretty clear about it. Like, I, I just feel like I can't live this way. I feel like I need to figure this out. Um, but no, you see, I think I went for the circumstances. So I think I was kind of saying like he needs to get a job. You know what I mean? Uh, that that would be the problem solving. Yes. So I think I fo I probably focused on that, which made it look like less clear to him. Right. Um, uh, I think I might have communicated that I felt on my own with it, and I needed to he needed to sit down and look at this. Like, but I I'm definitely not or haven't been in the past clear at communicating my needs. So, you know, um, a combination of both. But he also said like he was listening to me and just going, well, it'll be my turn to be the provider at some stage. So like she's doing it now and I'll do it in a year's time. So not really, it's not my job kind of to do that right now, but I'll, I'll do my part in the future. So he, he kind of said I wasn't hearing you. Felt like maybe it needs to be like now. You know, right. That we deal with this now kind of right. thing. Right. And that's pretty normal. That's pretty yeah. common. I, I find that this happens to me all the time. 
I think I'm clearly communicating what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, and, and uh, then I have a conversation with people later, and they'll say, uh, they'll say I'll say, but, but I said I, I want, I, I, this was really important to me, and they're like, no, you didn't. You said, let's do this and let's do that. And I say, right, because it's really important to me. And they're like, but you didn't say that. And then I realize, I thought you could feel what I was feeling. You're right, I didn't say it. I just assumed you could feel what I was feeling. And so you would know. That happens to me a lot. Because if I tune into someone, I can often feel what they're feeling. They don't have to tell it to me. And I just forget that that's not how everything works. So this, this is often, I find that so many things where people are deeply offended, deeply, deeply offended. Like if you can think of a time when you were deeply offended by something, can you think of something? Steve, can you think of something? I can't think of anything right now. Emily, can you think of something you were offended? Maybe not deeply, but offended? Yeah, I've got something. Okay. Uh, I left a job recently, uh, and I did a, such a good job for such a long period of time. I, I think I'm Okay. Do, do you have a person that you were offended by? I believe so, yeah. yeah. So what, was, what do you think their intention was? I don't know their intention. They could just assume that everything was okay. And maybe it was on their end. Did you say anything? I did not say. Well, I told one member of the family, but not the other. So I think uh, uh, I couldn't quite hear what you just I, said. I, I said I don't know if they told other members of the, the group or not. So I, I do not know. Mm -hmm. I, I should have been more forthcoming about it. I don't know. You could have been. Could have been. Why do you think you weren't? waiting for, uh, maybe it will come, maybe it will come later down the road. So I didn't think so. How long ago was that? Six years. Uh, six, eight months ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. So if you look deep within, who are you bothered by? Deep within, uh, I guess that members of the group that are just happen around to me, yeah. Maybe me too, because I, I didn't do enough. I, I could go either way right there. Say more about that. Um, I could have pursued more, I could have made things 
clear. I could have been wrong with that. Um, but I didn't. Um, still something might happen. I, I don't know. I'm letting it ride. It does, does, doesn't. So if you were going to say, I felt offended because... I, I think I, I felt offended because I think they should have done more on their part. Did you have an agreement ahead of time? No agreement ahead of time. I just spoke in words. Got in my own made head. Uh, a, a spoken agreement is an agreement. Yeah. Still might pursue it. There's still, still time. There's still, still bonds there. Wouldn't hurt me. What I have found is in situations like that, if I can let go of the judgment, yeah. it opens up the flow. And I've found that when I take offense, I'm in judgment, which blocks the flow. And what I would invite you to do is maybe to write a forgiveness letter to yourself for any part you played in any of this. 
really look at is there any are there any choices that you made along the way that you regret because usually when we can do that the feeling of being offended falls away a lot of times being offended and is is a mask for regret can you think of any time you were offended that maybe it was a mask for regret her job quite a lot of the time and I again with the subtlety not very clear in the communication but I was I was scared and then I kind of when I did eventually say it to her more directly I think it came across as angry and because I said it in an email it wasn't appreciated clearly live and learn yeah live and learn (laughs) I did I learned a lot and then it was like I kind of I got a huge um, react. I had a conversation with her afterwards, so that was much better. And I just did, and I apologized and said, "Look, I think maybe I came across uh, in this way." And, and I thought we kind of, um, I thought we resolved it. But then the next day, she asked me to do something again that was like not my remit. And so I kind of said the same thing, and she forwarded it to her manager saying she didn't understand why why it wasn't part of my job and then that manager forwarded it to the next manager who gave it to my manager and it came back to me and I, it was really uh, intense and so I felt I got a I got quite like you know they had taken out my email and underlined things and when I, where I had taken responsibility and said like look I did this I didn't mean to and it was it, it was a, it's a very the culture was quite a blamed culture mm. so it wasn't maybe the most well I don't know being honest isn't always doesn't didn't always kind of take wasn't accepted people like would generally say don't be honest like be careful what you write you know this type of thing and then the, the manager wrote an email to the whole department and said I recently watched I recently observed these emails and you know uh, I was shocked I don't know what the words were the words were very dramatic I'm shocked and appalled by the content it was unprofessional and something and um, I'm going to arrange a workshop for people to have more effective communication so I was mortified but I kind of knew that was her stuff and also I knew the workshop would never happen because it wasn't that kind type of organization. So I guess I regretted because I felt like, you know, I I wasn't I wasn't the most considerate in that email. I, at the same time I don't feel like I deserved I guess the name. Yeah, and well she didn't name me, but like it it wasn't I didn't think it was, you know, um, useful. Um, but I guess I regretted my part in it you know that I I could have had the conversation without the email I just reacted so and I knew spirit was going after everybody and um, Mm. I did so yeah 
you know why you did, even though your intuition is saying don't do this? Um, I could feel circumstances, like I was going on holiday and I was tired, so I was kind of just trying to deal with it. But I also let it go too long, do you know what I mean? So I think I let that, I let her, I accommodated her for too long, and so then it was kind of like, can't do this anymore. So I think it was partly that, you know, that I kind of hit my limit, both because I was leaving to go on holidays and I was really needing a break, um, but also that I had accommodated her for too long, so I was probably annoyed at myself. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So very often when there's resentment or taking offense, which are really similar, there is a regret that we don't want to own. We don't want to look at. Or maybe it's not a regret. It's just we knew we shouldn't have done it or we knew we should have done something differently. And I'm using that should word on purpose, that judgmental word. That's the opinion. The opinion is we should have done something differently. So in your case, if you had it to do over, are there any thoughts that you have now about you should have done it differently or you could have done it differently? Yeah, yeah. I could have spoke up earlier, maybe got things in writing and so forth like that. I could have planned uh, long range and so forth like that. Where I don't know if this is worth adding to the conversation, but there was a donation for Jennifer Hattier's ministries in this deal that went through. <laughs> so anyway, but it ain't done yet. Yeah, that's right. It's not over. It's not over yet. I, I don't feel it's over. Something might happen. So never know. Well, here's the thing: is be very intentional to very let intentional. your yeah. judgments go. Yeah, I tend to be pretty loud. And be very intentional about being receptive. One of the things I've learned is it may not come from the people where I had the issue with. Right? So the, the, the abundance, the prosperity, the, re, the reward, let's say, or the compensation may not come from these same people. It may come yeah. from somewhere else entirely. Right, yeah. And that's the thing is, for me, my healing and my prosperity came when I really saw, okay, if I feel really, really called to give to Carol, Carol's going through a difficult time, let's say, and she's got a lot of issues going on, and I feel called to spend extra time with her counseling and she says, I can't afford this. I say, there's no cost involved. I am very happy to support you through this time. You don't have to pay me. There's no payment needed. Right. I love you, I care about you, I'm here to support you. Please just receive it, you know? And then over here, someone is, is being generous and, and giving donations and whatever. That covers the cost of my time, let's say, you know, me taking, I see that all the time, all the time. I, I you know, I'm, 
I have an opportunity to earn money. I think I don't have time for that because all my time goes to the ministry. And so then I don't have money for this. And somebody says, well, let me treat you. I'll pay for this. And that's the way my life works. But if I'm saying, well, I can't give to Carol unless she gives back to me, that's not going to work. But if, if we are giving, there's nothing wrong with saying, like, I'm not doing counseling for anybody who wants counseling, whether they pay for it or not. That's not my life. It could be. I'm doing teaching, for sure, for anybody who w- would like to receive teachings in the way I'm offering, whether they contribute or not, right? Because I do the radio show. I do free classes. I write my inspiration every day. I share my pray- prayers everybody, every day. And so people can have all of that free stuff. I don't, no one needs to give anything back for that. That's fine. Um, but if, uh, if I'm thinking that, if I'm giving this to you, you need to give me something back. I'm always giving to get. And then that to me is limited thinking. Yeah. No, I'll agree. So, yeah, and and yet I hear that you're disappointed that you didn't get something back for what you gave. Well, yeah. Other members of my family had special needs, I guess, you know, early on. Like, for example, that, you know, I want to have the daughter see all the time. So, like you say, So the big thing is for us to forgive ourselves. Forgiveness, yeah. That's where the offense really is. Mm-hmm. So I think Jenny's example is helpful to us because she's aware, which is fantastic, you're aware that you had thoughts, you got intuitive guidance not to do this, or maybe you got intuitive guidance earlier to say to her something, but you didn't do it. And this is how we learn. I know, gosh, the vast majority of my learning has come from going, yeah, I knew better. Uh, does it, do you know, all know who Thich Nhat Hanh is? Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese monk. He's a Buddhist monk. He's a beautiful, beautiful teacher. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. nominated him for the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, one of my favorite books is his book, Peace is Every Step. Peace is every step. Short essays, beautiful essays on living peacefully. And um, I remember going to a retreat with him 20 years ago. And um, he was giving teachings and people were asking questions of him. And this, uh, it was about responsibility. And this woman said, but Thich Han." Help me out here because, or uh, they, they call him Thai, Tay? I get others mixed in there. Anyway, um, and he's in his 80s now, up close to 90s. Yeah, he's quite old now. Um, she's, this woman said, so my friend married this man who 
uh, ended up abusing her and beating her and really hurting her and treating her terribly. Um, don't you think she was a victim in that? And he said, no. No. Because she made decisions along the way. There were signs along the way that she didn't, uh, she didn't acknowledge. And so she ended up in that situation. So the way to peace is to take responsibility for, oh, I saw, I ignored this, I ignored that. It was there for me to feel, to see, to acknowledge. I didn't want to. I didn't want to look at that then. I didn't want to think about that, that then. I didn't want to feel that then. So then it comes back like a dog biting you on the, on the butt, right? That's what you're telling us. Mm -hmm. So, you, and you, you quit that job, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you're not in that job anymore, but you got your learning and you got out of there. Yeah. Yay. Yay, yeah, exactly. So that's the thing is to be grateful for the wisdom that you've harvested and the more you forgive yourself for the part you played in it, mm -hmm. then the more you can move on and harvest more wisdom and more wisdom that you can share with your clients and, and, and have happiness. I used to take offense at everything, so it's something I know a lot about because I just I felt angry so much of the time. I needed reasons to be angry besides just I feel angry. So I was always looking for something I could channel the anger into. Okay. And why would you be looking to be the victim? Uh, apparently, it's a false sense of power. Um, a false sense of power? Yeah. Well, also, that's my family dynamic. So it was uh, the most powerful place to be was the victim. Mm. The person in my family who had the most power was the biggest victim. So... Uh, and that was the system I was in. Right. The victim has the most power, actually. In a, in a well, not, not quite, but there was a real strong thing around victim mentality in the system that I was working in, in the office I was working in. Mm. So, uh, <coughs> so yesterday... Everyone was operating in that way. So right. And that's really just what I was told I needed. That's why I had that blame culture. Yeah. It was a victim culture. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say yesterday, you said you told us that your mom had a tremendous amount of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so you you learned that view of the world from her and you felt that vibration all the time. So if you're with someone who's really anxious and you're very dependent upon them, it would make sense you would feel anxious. Mm -hmm. just, it, just anyone, I think, who's very dependent, as a child is uh, upon their parents, any person who's very dependent on somebody who is dysfunctional would probably feel anxious. Or they'd channel that anxiety into anger. Right? Or apathy. So, 
what you told us yesterday, your mother's anxiety was in some ways she was a victim? Yes. It was happening to her? <coughs> yes. And you couldn't, if you're right under your chair, you couldn't uh, out-victim her? No. She if had you did, it would only be, it would be like, you can have it for like a really short length of time. Right. But you're taking it in spotlights. Got it. Yes. Right. So it was kind of a pain that you had something going on for you mm. because that made you the victim. Mm -hmm. And she liked to be, you know, she's very wise in many ways, so she would like to mother that, but only for a short length of time before it probably became intolerable. And then she would have to go back to my position. Right. Yeah. So in, in your workplace, it was mirrored to you. Can you tell us what you see about the mirror in your workplace? Oh, what I see in the workplace is, like, so the task with my mom was, like, she's the victim, so there's no way that if you ever gave her anything, she would accept it because she wanted, she actually wanted to be the victim. And so in social work, so my job as a child was basically in hospital. Love me to make them feel not so bad, I'll, and then I would love her and it wouldn't be enough. So in the workplace, it was like, you know, huge caseload, like, you know, massive expectations. Then you go to do this really difficult job and the person, you know, the people that are asking you to do the job are, will get in your way. So your responsibility is to make sure that this child is safe in this foster home. And then you go, well, I don't think this child is safe. Yeah, but you're not allowed to say that. Shut up this kind of silent thing mm -hmm. like, no no don't say that or so I would write a report and I would write out all these issues that I had about this foster placement and be like I'm really not happy with the level of care this child is receiving and it would come back like you can't say that you can't say that you can't say that so I'd have to find ways to get it to so I would have to work harder basically be a bit harder having a, a mum who was a victim me trying to give her love and it not being good enough so I would try harder try harder so I would end up in this my task as a child was basically impossible and my task in the system was basically impossible therefore I became the victim you know what I mean I do because like you feel hopeless I felt hopeless as a child I felt helpless I felt powerless and in the system I felt helpless and I felt powerless and I felt hopeless mm. and it was horrible because I was watching these kids and kind of and because the system makes you responsible my mom you're responsible for my happiness and my well-being in the system you're ha you're responsible for this child's well-being I mean ultimately I was trying to protect my own child you know and kind of that's why I was in there um yeah so I guess that's the that's the dynamic that I see How wonderful that you can see it. Yeah. Right. It's so clear to you. Yeah. Seriously, that yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it gave me so much compassion for myself, actually. That's because great. Because all the social workers would all do things, you know, to try and cope with this impossible task. And, like, that kind of stuff used to annoy me because some social workers could be really, like, I don't care about your clients or, you know, all kinds of things. So it, 
think we're all trying to cope with the same thing, which is I feel terrible, but I'm being told that I'm omnipotent. Right. Okay, you're omnipotent, and then as soon as you go to act on that power, now you don't have any power. And it can be incredibly frustrating. Yes. And anxiety provoking. Yeah. And that was my position as a child. And that's so I had so much compassion then for social workers who, who or who wouldn't answer the phone. They'd be too overwhelmed. I can't I just can't answer the phone. Or they turn their phones off at five o'clock and mm-hmm. that's seen as a negative thing. And all of these things I was like, Oh, I'm so desperate, I'm so desperate. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good for you. We are going to...